Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jared Lons. I'm the lead pastor here at Encounter Church, and uh, it is my pleasure to welcome all of you. If this is your first time with us, I want to say a special welcome to you. We are grateful that you're here and uh, we'd love to meet you after service. If you're joining us on the podcast, I want to welcome you as well uh, to hear just what we're doing here at Encounter Church, what God is doing. Well, today we are beginning a brand new message series called Change of Season. Change of Season. And I think it's a very timely message because um, if you look around outside, it's pretty easy to see that uh, we're going through a change of season of our own. Uh, summer is over. Fall is here, and for most of us, that is something that most of us enjoy. I personally enjoy uh, being the fall season a lot better than I do the, the summertime, particularly. Um, you know, we have traded in our beach balls and our bathing suits, and now we have flannels and jeans and boots and scarves and all sorts of great things like that. And, um, you know, so while the, it's so easy to see, I mean, just look around and we can see the, the leaves are beginning to change uh, in, on the tree around us. Our clothing is changing. The temperatures are certainly dropping. Um, just last week it was 70 degrees and today it's a high of 55 maybe. And it's so easy to see the change that is taking place around us. And there's just an excitement in the air. I think, I don't think there's a season that maybe people get more excited about than the fall because it, I think it's a time of celebration it's a time of excitement. There's so much that happens during the fall, during this time, this season that, that we go through. I think it's also a time of harvest. I mean, if you think about that, we celebrate with Thanksgiving and we, we celebrate the work that has been done in the summer, in the spring and summertime, the planting, and then the harvesting of that, you know? And in times past, this isn't so much true for us um, in our particular city culture, but in times past, the, the fall also symbolized preparation for the coming winter and the difficult months, you know, in more agricultural societies, the fall really did represent a time where it was sort of the, the last um, hurrah. And for us, that's really what it is like. It's like the last hurrah before we get cooped up inside in the winter. I mean, if, if any of you are from Pittsburgh or um, for those of you listening on the podcast, maybe from warmer climates, Pittsburgh gets cold in the wintertime and nobody really wants to go outside. Nobody wants to go anywhere during the winter. So the fall is that time when we go to the pumpkin patches and we do hayride rides and we are going to Starbucks and getting those pumpkin spice lattes and all the things that everybody loves about fall. And it's sort of that last hurrah before the winter and we kind of buckle down, right? Well, just as, just as this change of season is happening in nature, we also want to take some time to reflect inwardly in our own lives and maybe examine ourselves and see how God might be wanting to ask us to take us into a deeper place with him, into a deeper relationship with him. Maybe he's asking us to move into a season of enjoyment. You know, like maybe for, for some of us, we've been in a season of life where we have felt like You've been discovering who God is, maybe on a very basic and small level, but now God is calling you into a place of saying, come and explore who I am and see how great I am and how, how we can, you can enjoy life and have fulfillment and purpose in a relationship with me. Maybe, maybe God is, is calling us into a season of harvest. Maybe you have been going through a time in your life recently that has been difficult, where you've been pushing hard or you've been working hard, and now is the time that God's bringing you into a season of breakthrough, a season of where there's the chains that you have been praying through and praying over 
and against and asking God to, to take care of something. Maybe you've been pushing in a financial season or whatever it might be, some difficult time in your life, and God is bringing you into a season of harvest where the thing that you have been working for or praying for, God is saying, I want to bring you into that time now where you can break through that. And maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us, God is even preparing us in a season of preparation for a difficult time ahead. I mean, we don't want to be naive and think that, that everything is always going to be perfect. I mean, just after fall, the winter comes, and maybe some of us are about to enter a winter season in our life. And I don't know what that means for each of us. For all of us, it'll be different. But I'm believing that God is with us. He's always with us, and he's, he's there with us today in this room, and he's using me to speak and say that no matter what season we are entering into, no matter what season God is pulling each of us into, a time of celebration, a time of breakthrough, or a time of preparation, that he sees it. He is aware of it. He knows what is coming. He knows what we will need for the task, and he wants to pull us along, and he will be with us in that time. And we want to be ready to enjoy what God has for us. Whatever the season is, we want to be ready for what God has for us. And so there's two elements, and, and I'm going to try to move around the stage today. I hurt my, my leg this week. Uh, I brought a, a stool on stage and thought I'd sit down, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if I like it. So I'm going to, I'm going to hang around up here if it's okay. So if I'm hobbling around a little bit, that's why. But um, there, are two, there are two aspects of, of a change of season that we're going to work through in this mini-series. It's just two weeks. And those two things are perspective and purpose. And I think we have them on the screen here. Two approaches to, to, to a change of season in, in our lives. It, the first thing that we're going to talk about today is perspective. It's so important to have a change of perspective to be able to, to uh, know what it is that we're looking at and how we can approach things properly. And the next week we're going to talk about purpose. So today we're talking about a change of perspective. You know, perspective is everything. It, it does, it's the way that we look at things. The way that we see a situation, the way that we see a scenario will really ultimately affect the way that we respond to it, right? It, it, it's a perfect example of this is, um, is the illustration of, you ever, you ever told people that you can look at the moon in the sky and when you put your thumb up and close your eye, you can put your thumb over and the moon disappears. Let's all practice this for a second. Can, can we all pick a spot right here, this, this C right there? And put your thumb up. Let's all put our thumb up and close your eye and put the thumb over the sea. Can we all do that? Let's all do this together. Can you make the, the sea disappear with your eyes? That's a perspective issue. That's a perspective thing. You can do that with clouds. You can do that with anything. I mean, this sea is a lot bigger than your thumb, right? But because your perspective has changed, you can change it. The same is true with a mountain. In the distance, I can look and I can see that mountain. I know in my mind the mountain is big, but it doesn't look that large to me. In fact, it looks like I could cover it with my entire hand. But when you walk up to the mountain and you see that mountain and the huge rock face, that now suddenly, that suddenly small mountain that looked like it was off into the distance is now right in your face and is so much bigger. That's a perspective change. When I was uh, a teenager, 
we went to Orlando, Florida for a Disney vacation with my family. And we have this home video where my mom and dad thought it would be fun to take a video of me in, uh, in front of a palm tree. So I'm standing there as a, I want to say I was like 15 or 16 years old. I was still about this tall. And they took a, a video picture of me standing in front of a, of, a, of a palm tree that was about 25 feet up in the air. And then at the, end of the, at the end of the week, they took another picture of me standing next to a palm tree that was about five feet high. And then the joke was, look how the Florida sun makes him grow, right? And that was this sort of corny joke that my parents came up with for this, this vacation. But again, it's an example of perspective. On that video, I looked as though I was taller because I'm standing next to a small tree. So your perspective changes everything. Our perspective is very important when we're moving into a new change or a new season in life. The way we see things ultimately will shape, uh, will shape the way we respond to them. And here's something that's important to understand. If our perspectives are off in life, it will skew the way that we see that situation in our life, and it could actually cause us to respond in an unhealthy way. Our perspectives change the way that we, or or, or push us into the way that we operate in our lives. And we can even possibly miss the entire point or the purpose of what God is trying to do in our lives. And so the question for today is, what is our current perspective What is it that we're looking at? And what does the source of our current perspective come from? Well, to answer that question, I think we need to understand where we get our perspectives from. And we have our big idea of the day on the screen here. And it says, perspective is driven by focus. Perspective is driven by focus. I encourage you to pull out your program and pull the sermon notes page out. I want to hear those little ruffling papers. Everybody pulling their notes page out and take a pen and write this down. And as we go through the message today, you can fill in the blanks there. This is great to understand. Perspective is driven by focus. Focus. So here's some questions that I came up with today or this week while I was thinking about this, about how we can find. So we go back to that question. If we know that perspective is driven by focus, well, then what is our perspective and where are we getting it from? Here's some questions to help us identify that. You, this is me asking you and me asking myself, what are we focusing on? What is it in life today, throughout my week, that I focus my attention on, my details on? What do we think about? What are the thoughts that run through my head? What is the the common things that are going through my head? What do I think about? Where do our minds dwell? When we're sort of in cruise control, where does our mind dwell at? What does it focus on or sit on? What do we think is important? This is another good one. It helps us identify our perspective because we, the things that are important to us are shaped by our perspectives. How do we see the world? Positively, negatively, cynically, optimistically? Where do our reactions to situations come from? When something comes up, good or bad, where does it come from? What drives our decisions? How do we make them? And what shapes our values? What shapes our values? So I I, I built this sort of... um, little path of behavior on, on, our, on the screen here. It kind of shows us where our behaviors come from. We start here. We tend to think that our behaviors are everything, that the way we act is, is what we feel and what we think. But why? Where does it come from? Well, our behaviors are driven by our thoughts. The things that we think about, we act them out on people or in life. So if I'm thinking about wanting Taco Bell, I then go get it. 
That is, that's how I operate. That's how all of us operate. The things that we think on, the things that we dwell on, are the things that we then go put into action. But why, what causes us to think in a certain way? Well, it's our values. The things that we value are the things that we then put into our thought processes. And so when we think about them, we go put them into action. But what is it that our, our values are driven by? Our values should be driven by our beliefs. Our beliefs are the things that set us and know what we value. What is valuable in our world and in our lives and in my life and in your life are driven by the things that you believe about the world we live in. The problem is, is that we get this backwards most of the time, and I think we have another one. We have this backwards, and we flip values and beliefs. And this happens all the time in our world. We place our values before beliefs. And this is confusing. This is so confusing. It distorts reality. Because what we do is we, oftentimes, we go around and we come up with our values from emotional places of what I think the world should be like. And then I go and I find a, a, a belief system to cater to the thing that I value. We see it everywhere. There, that's why there are so many religions. That's why there are so many opinions. It's because every single person is driving their values off of, or their beliefs off of their values. They're not going to a source to find what they believe and that shapes their values. They say, well, this is what I think the world should be like, so I'm going to go find a religion or a worldview or a perspective that matches that. But that's confusing to everybody because all of us are constantly butting heads with each other because we all believe different things. And then the problem is, is that, I, I don't know, I, I've, I've lived this kind of life. I have lived this where I, I set my values down, and then I went to try to find things that matched it. But then, if you're like me, you've come across a time in your life when you've tried this, and then you get angry or frustrated when the belief system that you have found that caters to your value system doesn't hold up, or in a situation or a problem comes along, and that thing that you now thought you believed in no longer works for you. Well, that happens because you're basing your values, your beliefs off of your value system instead of finding a belief system that actually is the, the centerpiece and the foundation of things so you can build your values off of them. See, our values need to be shaped by our beliefs. And I believe in a God who created the universe, the entire universe, everything in it. Me, my sister and I have been watching this show called Cosmos. It's on Fox. Really, really neat show. It's all about the, the, the creation of, of, the, of the universe and where it came from and, and how they work and why it works. And, and there's a, I mean, it's a scientific-based show, and they definitely don't believe in creationism. But I will tell you that everything that I've seen on that show, it doesn't bother me and it doesn't scare me. Why? Because if I believe that God is the master and the creator of the universe, then he's big enough to create physics. He's big enough to create chemistry. He's big enough to, to create the, the, the things that we see and the things that we can't understand. And when they analyze it and carbon date it and they stamp it and they say it's this old and this thing, it doesn't matter because God created all of it. And he could have created it a million years ago. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is, is that I believe in a God of the universe who created the mountains and he caused them to raise up from the sea. I believe that he created black holes and he created comets and all the things that we see. So if I believe in a God who is the creator and master of the entire universe, shouldn't we seek to understand the world the way that he designed it to be? The way that he created it to be lived out? Shouldn't we seek our values from him if he created everything? 
And so where do we get that from? We ask that question again. Where does my perspective come from? Where do I get my perspective from? Well, if you believe in God, and you believe in, in the way that he designed things, and let's see if I, can, if I can find out what he says about it, now I can maybe get values from that and shape my perspectives to, to look at my seasons, to look at the, the different scenarios and situations in my life from a perspective of him. And so we find that in the Bible. I mean, a lot of people feel like the Bible is, a, is just some history book. But Bible is, is scripture. I mean, that's the work as a Bible scripture. We think scripture feels very, very high-minded. It feels very holy or sacred, but doesn't seem relevant, right, when we think of it that way. But what if we say that it's God's spoken word? What if, what if God wrote a book? It was like a, a letter to you and me. What if, what if God wrote this and said, this is my story. This is the story of me and you. This is, this is me writing the memoirs of what it's like to be a human being and what I would like to see for, uh, for all of humanity. What if we thought of it that way? Wouldn't you want to read it then, maybe? I mean, if my wife writes me a letter and tells me how she's feeling and thinks about it, I'm going to read that letter. If my mom or my dad wrote this and said, hey, I want you to know about the history of where you came from and some of the things that are important in our family, I'm going to read that. And that's what we need, the way we need to look at Scripture. It's that it's a story of God and people and how we interact with it, and what he's trying to show us, and what he's trying to teach us. And so in, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul is writing a, a letter to, his, to, to, the, to the church in Philippi, which is a, a, a city in, uh, in the Middle Eastern area. And he's writing this letter to them, telling them what they should be focusing on. And he was living in a time where Rome was the place. It was just like America, if you will. It was an entertainment-driven society. It was, a, it was a place where any kind of sexual activity was available to you at any given moment. There was the gladiator scene was going on there. I mean, not to, to draw complete comparisons because we don't have that kind of violence uh, in a sport in our, in, our, in our society to this day, but it's very similar. It was a city, uh, a, an organization driven by, by indulgence. It was highly individualistic. You know, it was a, it was a society where, where there was plenty of opportunity. There was a lot of good things about Rome. Rome was a really cool city that was way ahead of its time, but it was also rotting from the inside out because, because of all of the things that they were placing their values before their beliefs. They decided I was going to just do what I wanted to do and find rules that would make me feel like I was living my life okay. And this is the society that Paul is writing, this culture was writing to the people of Philippi. And so we have the verse on the screen. I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you to church on Sunday, whether it be on a tablet or a smartphone or your actual good old-fashioned paper Bible. I encourage you to be that. You cannot, you cannot know what God says unless you bring it and read it. So let's read together in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And this is Paul telling people what to say, he says, to, to think about. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is how he closes his letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, he says, fix your thoughts. Just like if I were to tell you to look at that sea Fix your eyes on it. That means do not let your eyes get off of it. That means focus on it, pay attention to it, right? Fixing your eyes means you're making an intentional effort 
to get to and look at this thing or to, to channel your energy and your thoughts to it. So he's saying this is important. He's saying we live in a world where it is so easy for us to do the easy thing, to do the selfish thing, to do the thing that will hurt someone else but will make me happy, the thing that will, that will make me feel better but in, gen- in, in the end probably pushes someone else down. It's easy for me to go out and be able to sleep with X number of women because it's available to me. It's easy for me to, um, to be able to, to climb the corporate ladder at all costs despite whatever happens. He's saying this is what's happening in our culture but it's not the way that God designed our life to be. He said, so fix your eyes on these things. So if we want to have a godly perspective in our society, as we are moving forward in the season, whatever season God has for us, a season of enjoyment or a season of, of harvest, of breakthrough, or a season of preparation or whatever different types of seasons God might be pulling each of us into and saying, come with me. To have a godly perspective, we need to focus on a few things. And the first thing is truth. He says, to fix your eyes or your thoughts on what is true. A godly perspective focuses on truth. Well, what does that mean? It means reality. Not reality TV, but reality. What actually happened. So if somebody comes up to you and says, hey man, did you hear about this thing or that rumor? Like we're not talking about rumors and gossip. We're saying investigating and finding out the truth of the matter. I mean, our society is driven off of gossip. Entertainment Weekly or E! News or um, you go to the grocery store and there's all sorts of like People Magazine and the National Enquirer and all of these different things. Everywhere you go, you turn, it's so easy to see uh, like gossip and news about things that really don't matter to any of us or have any relevance in our lives, right? This is, this is what happens. Or if a friend comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear about uh, Billy Joe? Billy Joe is uh, going through this thing right now. Oh, really? And, you know, it's a private thing between them and Billy Joe, or maybe they heard it from another person, and who knows? Yeah, did you hear that Billy Joe's leg fell off? Well, it may not be the case. I mean, Billy Joe might be just have gone to the, to the doctor to check out a bump on his leg, but he still has it. But that's the problem with gossip, right, and with, with rumors. And so, so Scripture here, God's design of for this, for our lives, is telling us to have the right perspective in life. You need to be able to see clearly and know what is right, to know what is true, what actually happened. So when we, when we are living our lives and we see something on television or we see something, you know, in the newspaper or on the Internet, or when a friend says, hey, you know what, I think this is right, and you sit there and you, you need to think about it now and say, I don't know, let me, let me think about that. And it could be any myriad of situations, but you can't just take people's word for things because, because in a world where everyone has an opinion, how do you know what is right and how do you know what's wrong? Truth is so hard to find. And so you have to be willing to investigate. God wants us to be smart and think and do investigating and investigating in God's word to know what is true. A godly perspective focuses on truth. It also focuses on honor. Honor. Now that sounds like sort of like a, uh, an Asian culture thing, like honor, you know, like family honor. And that's not quite what we're talking about. I looked up the word for honor in, uh, in, in when I was doing my study this week. And it actually, the word kind of, it's, it's implying that something that inspires reverence. Something that inspires reverence. It's worthy of respect and dignity. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I look around at the grocery store and I'm waiting in line to check out from all those magazines that are listed there, I don't know how much is actually honorable, worthy of respect or dignity. In fact, what I see is people being torn down. I see people taking their clothes off and showing less dignity for the human body. They're, they're, I see... I see um, just the behaviors that people do. We watch on television and we see, we like to watch the train wreck of people's lives take place on reality television. And I'm not coming down on entertainment, okay? We're not, I'm not trying to like say you can't have fun in life. But what I am saying is, is if we spend most of our time or majority of our time looking at things or searching after things that are going to that are, that are focused on things that are tearing things down or tearing people down instead of valuing the things and saying, I want to live my life like that person in the thing that is worthy of honor, worthy of respect, worthy of dignity. And so Paul was telling them, he says, focus on the things that are worth focusing on. But even more than that, there was another thing that said, working on being a person that is worthy of being respected worthy of being respected. So not only should I be thinking about people and, and, and surrounding myself with people who are worth respecting, what it's saying is, is that I should be trying to live my life in a way that where people actually would see me as worthy of being respected, as worthy of being honored. Is your life like that? Is my life like that? Do I spend my thoughts thinking about what could I do better in life? How could I treat people like human beings, more with more dignity and with more love and with hope? That's what Paul is saying. is focus on truth, focus on honor. And this has to do with your public and your private life. And I would say to you this, this is where I'm going to leave it. I think more often than the times, we think that our private life is a lot more private than we think it is. It's a lot more public than we think it is, I should say. Our private lives have a way of kind of becoming public, especially with social media. People know what's going on. And the way to become respected, revered, or honored is to have a consistent life both in and out of your home. And if somebody finds out that you are a certain way, one place or another, even if the thing that you're doing isn't wrong in your home, if they see that you do something out that you do in, they're going to think that you're a hypocrite. And that's hard. That's a hard lesson, but then you lose credibility. You see what I'm saying? So I just want to put it there that your public and your private life has to do with honor. So a godly perspective focuses on truth. It focuses on honor. It also focuses on justice. He says, think of what is right. The song we sang today about righteousness, the word righteousness, the fancy Christian word, it means right, rightness. It means living rightly, living the right type of life. Righteousness just means that you are righteous, right? Like, like that's, that's what it is, being righteous. It means you are living a good life. Another word that was kind of, that came up when I was doing some study this week was innocence. Innocence. So it's thinking about things that have no guilt associated with them. Thinking about putting my thoughts and my processes on things that are, that are good, the right thing. That means that I've, if I see somebody is being wronged, I'm going to try to do what I can to make it right. That means that I'm going to give justice in life. That means that if somebody hurts me, that means that I'm going to, I'm going to think of a way that I can make that situation right in, 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 a, in a truthful way, in an honorable way. Right. I'm going to do the things that are right and being just. This is choosing the right thing even when it's hard. Choosing the right thing even when it's hard. And this is about not cutting corners too. 
So these are, this is a different thing. I mean, already, are you starting to see a picture that's a little bit different from, from, from our society? I mean, in the business world, if any of you have corporate jobs or work in businesses, you see it all the time. The guy who tries to get ahead because he pushes himself and then he, he doesn't work as hard, maybe, and he cuts a corner. And he, he, he does that, or he'll push people down. Or if a situation comes up, he chooses the easy way rather than the right way. You know, I mean, this is, this is not so far, I think, for us to be able to see it. And, and what Paul is saying through Scripture, he's saying is, live your life in such a way that, that we actually think on different things. And when we think that way, we're talking about values now. He's saying that our values should be based on truth. Our values should be based on honor and justice. And it should also be based on purity. Godly perspective focuses on purity. There's a word, another one of those sort of like Christian-type words that tends to throw people off is a word called holy. Anybody ever heard the word holy? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that word, holy, right? It's a word we don't use too often anymore in, in modern Christian churches because it's a word that has turned people off for so long. But the reason that it turned people off was because they were pushing so hard to do what God asked us to do, which is to be holy, Scripture says, be holy for I am holy, okay? So it's, holy means set apart. So when we talk about being pure and purity, it means, it means being willing to set myself apart from something that is potentially defiling. I mean, this is, this is old school, right? This, is, this sounds old school, but think about it. The Jewish people, the way that their life was before Jesus came and provided the ultimate sacrifice was they had to go to the temple they had to present an animal and sacrifice that animal in sort of penance for their sin. And, and they had to live their life because, because they didn't have Jesus who's forgiven their sins as once and for all sacrifice, because that hadn't happened yet. They had to live by the set of all these rules that made them clean or unclean. And so, and it was crazy. It was like if there's a dead animal that walks into my house, well, I'm now unclean. It's like I can't, I couldn't, uh, you know, I had to wash my hand a certain number of times a day. If, if I touch that thing, I'm clean ceremonially for unclean for seven days. And there was all of these crazy rules and things. And what God was trying to say in this moment is it is so easy, so easy for us in life to become unholy in God's eyes. Like, I mean, think of it, if God is perfect, if God is amazing, if God is, is wonderful, he created everything, and God is, is the exact opposite of everything that is wrong in the world, I mean, if you think of it from that perspective, how easy is it for us to, to become unclean, right? And Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus came to earth, gave his life for us, died on a cross willingly, and said, I forgive you for everything, because he lived a sinless life, because he lived the perfect life, he was able to be that sacrifice that we didn't have to do that anymore. And now we can just say we are connected to our creator because of what Jesus did for us. And so when he did that, what it was like is he bought us a brand new white suit or a brand new white dress. I mean, can you imagine that? Like on your wedding day, ladies, you know, you're walking down the aisle and you're in this beautiful white dress. Or guys, it's like he gave you a white suit. I would never want to wear a white suit in real life, but I'm imagining if I look good in a white suit. If I were doing that, now imagine for a second that you're in this gorgeous, this, this beautiful white outfit. What are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to walk outside and step in the mud in it? Are you going to roll around in the mud and, you know, like you're going to walk up and stand up against like those dirty building sides of the building walls and, you know, like that? No, you're not going to do that. But that's what we're doing as Christians. That's what we do in life when we are not living a pure life. When we are doing, engaging in dirt activities, we are messing up this beautiful gown or this beautiful suit that God gave us. 
And yes, we can take it to the dry cleaners and thank God that he is the most amazing dry cleaner I've ever seen in the world because there are, there is healing, there is forgiveness. But how would you feel if your mom or your dad bought you that beautiful wedding dress and spent five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars Some people spend exorbitant amounts of money on their wedding dresses, right? Or like on these, on these amount outfits. And like your mom or dad bought you that thing and said, I love you so much. Here's this beautiful thing. And you did it and you went out and intentionally started smudging it up. I mean, yeah, okay, dad will forgive you and he'll take it to the dry cleaner and he'll clean you up. But it still hurts, right? And that's how God feels about it for us. He says, he says just be pure. Think about things that are gonna keep you clean. The things that are going to make your system run right. I mean, it's like your engine in your car. It's got a bunch of gunk in it. It runs slow. You lose miles per gallon and all your fuel efficiency and all that stuff. It's the same way with our hearts. the same way with our souls. When we are living in ways, the things that just are not pleasing to God, things that are not designed. This is about God's design, okay? I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about regulations. I'm not talking about this stuff. What I'm talking about is God created the universe with all of its physics and all of its rules that we don't complain about. Oh, man, I hate gravity, Right? I mean, you don't complain about gravity, but we complain because, because God says, I want you to live life. I don't want you to live with your spouse until you get married to them. I don't want you to have sex with them because that's not how I designed it to be. And, it, and there's all sorts of reasons for it, but, but we complain about that when we don't complain about gravity or we don't complain about the air resistance when I throw a ball. It's just how God created the world to be because he knows best. And as we get to know him, he can explain it to us. And so, when he says, well, would you just be the way I'm asking you to be because I know that you will live your life the way it's supposed to be. You will avoid so many problems. You won't break down on the side of the road. Your engine's not going to bust up as often if you're doing the good things in your life. And that's what we're talking about here. So we're talking about a godly perspective focuses on truth. It focuses on honor, justice, purity. And lastly, it focuses on reputation. It was talking about, it said, what is lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Lovely and admirable. Things that are lovely. I mean, lovely sounds fluffy, froofy, you know. Oh, that's lovely. But lovely, things that are worth loving. Things that are lovable. Things that are valuable to us. Think about the things, not just to me and you, but to valuable as a society as a whole. I mean, think about those things, the things that are, that, that are generally honorable, worth of, worthy of reputation, but also the things that are valuable. The things that we really celebrate as a country, right? When our country gets together and we really celebrate, we celebrate sacrifice. We celebrate, we celebrate, you know, people who go out of their way to help other people. We celebrate the individual who puts themselves aside and who lifts another one up, right? These are things that our country celebrates, our society celebrates, even as our world as a whole. The entire globe has a universal language for good things. And so scripture is teaching us to think about those things. This does not mean that we have to spend our entire day you know, like meditating over all sorts of good poems and scripture. It doesn't mean that we have to stop interacting with other people. What it does mean is that when I'm hanging out with my best friend, you know, I'm thinking about just in my mind, the background of my mind is based on my value system. So that, that thing that we had earlier, can we go back to that? Is there a way for us to get back to that, that screen where we had the thoughts and beliefs and it's just, uh, we'll, we'll see if they can get it up there. But it, if we're basing our belief system, everything is based off of what I believe about who God is and how life was meant to be, that starts there with beliefs. 
And so by the time I get over here to my conversations or my actions with my friends, I've already established the values of truth, the values of honor, the values of, of, of love and purity and justice, right? Those are the foundations of how I operate in life. And because those are the things I focus on in my thought processes, that drives the way I think. If all I'm thinking about is myself, if all I'm thinking about is greed and getting more money and getting paid and having a big house, if all I'm thinking about is if I can, you know, conquest over women every day, if all those types of things that are whatever's in our mind, whatever's in your mind, if all those are the things that I value, that's what I'm going to think about and that's what I'm going to behave with. And that's what we're saying here is that if we drive our perspective, remember, our perspective is driven by our focus. So if in my private time, in my quiet time, in my ability to reset time every day, I reset myself. If I focus on the values of these things, it's going to transfer into my thought life. I'm going to think less about the things that frustrate me. I'm going to think less about the the problems and I'm going to behave differently. This is so important for us to understand because it ultimately will align us with the values that God has set out from the beginning. Our perspective in life, when we begin a godly perspective, when we start looking at things through the eyes of how God designed our world to be, it will help us see our situations differently. Our scenarios will look differently. The problems that now suddenly seemed huge now pale in comparison to God's thumb. You know, it's, everything looks differently because of our perspectives. And then we can respond differently in healthy ways. And this definitely takes work. It is challenging. And it requires commitment and discipline. And so there was a passage of Scripture I wanted to hit right here that just talks about this very thought. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I think we have it on the screen here. It says, We demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God and taking every thought captive to obey Christ. This is talking about the battle that each and every one of us face Every single second of every single day, of every single week, of every single month, of every single year, of every moment of our life, we have a choice. We're constantly bombarded with opinions, thoughts, values, beliefs from everywhere else. And we have to make a choice every moment what we're going to do. And if we want to have a godly perspective on life and live the life of John 10.10 that Jesus came to give us, which is the life of abundance, the good life, the life that is, I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm not talking about having millions of dollars. I'm talking about living a life of abundance, which means that you are operating in the way God designed life to be. You will have peace in your heart. You will have peace in your life if we follow God's plan. And we do that when we take this moment and we make the choices to focus. So it says, it says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Another way to say that would be when I'm faced with a situation where anything is unlike truth, honor, justice, purity, reputation, I now force myself to say that's not right. That is not the way that I believe. When I come across a friend who says, yeah, I think this is the way I'm going to live my life, and you can say, this might be okay for your life, but I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm not going to build my kingdom or my world based off of that because I know what Jesus taught. I know what Scripture teaches. So the idea is to bring every thought or every understanding which is otherwise opposed to Christ into subjection to him. 
Let me read that again. The idea is to bring every thought or understanding which is otherwise opposed to Christ into subjection to him. So when we find the right perspective for the season that we are in, God can then reveal his purpose for us. Most of us want to know, what is our purpose in life? What is the purpose of this season? What is God trying to do? What is he trying to show me? What is it that I should be living like? And how can it make a difference in my life or other people's lives? Why am I going through this thing? Or what is this thing's purpose in life? We can't even begin to grasp what the proper purpose is until our perspective has changed. If I'm staring at my thumb and I can't even see what's in front of me, that's not the right perspective to see this thing. And if this thing is right in front of my face, maybe I need to back off of it and look at it from the way that God sees it in our lives. So our challenge for today is this, is to focus on God's priorities. Focus on God's priorities. This doesn't mean you're gonna, your priorities, your thoughts are gonna lose perspective. It doesn't mean that God's gonna forget about you because the best thing about it is, is that when we focus on what God designed life to be, he promises to take care of us. Jesus said in his scriptures, he was saying, you know, like, does the sparrow have to worry about, about its food? What about the, the lilies in the valley? Look how beautifully clothed they are, and they don't worry about it. All the things that we care about, all the things that we fret over and strive to get all the time, and when our situations come and they frustrate us and then we get fearful of all of those types of things, all of that stuff, God cares about all of it and will work us through it. But so often, we're, God, I feel like God's sitting over there in the corner going, hey, hey, are you going to, I want, I, hey, I, this, no, you don't have to, don't do, like, not in a bad way, but like, if, if you would just come over here and hang out with me and maybe look at, I could show you how the situation is maybe a little bit different and then we could work through it together. That's what God is wanting to do. He said, so focus on God's priorities. And that means being aware of unhealthy values in your life or thought patterns. We've talked a lot about self deprecation and, and self-worth. We've talked about um, just different value systems and things that are contrary to what Jesus has died on the cross to, to, to forgive us from. You have to examine your own life and are there things in your heart? Are there values that are just, when you read scripture and you say, wow, I, I don't, my value is different. But now because you know and believe who Jesus said he is, maybe you need to reframe that. So be aware of unhealthy values and thought patterns when you're focusing on God's priorities. Focusing on God's priorities also helps us reframe our situations with biblical values. So now that I'm aware of things that are unhealthy, I can see what Jesus has to say about it, and I can now reframe it. And I will tell you, it's a lot like putting a key in the lock. When you finally start looking at things the way that God wants us to view, the perspective that he has for us, it's like a key fitting into a lock that opens things that you have struggled with or fought with for so long. Welcome God's direction and guidance. And look ahead expectantly at the new season. This new season, whatever it might be for you, I don't know, it could be a time of excitement. Maybe God's bringing you into a place of saying, I just want you to know me deeper. And maybe things won't really change in your in your normal everyday life, but God's saying, will you spend more time with me? Would you maybe read scripture more? Would you, would you listen to me and learn from me? Maybe God is saying, I'm about to break through that thing that you've been praying for for a long time. And there, this is your time. But you need to know the right perspective because even if you get that thing you've been praying for, whatever it is, if you don't look at it the right way, you could abuse it. You 
It could hurt you if you don't handle it the right way. And maybe, there, maybe God says, I see the clouds ahead of you. And there's a storm coming or it's about to be winter in your life. And I don't know what that means. Something might happen. I don't know. I'm not trying. We're not living in fear, but reality takes place, right? Life happens. Things happen. And God is aware and he wants to protect us and take us through. And we have to have the right perspective. We have to see through eyes of truth, through eyes of honor, through eyes of justice and purity and things that are lovely and reputable, things that are worth looking at. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.